0: On the air from Boise, Idaho, and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy
1: and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Kevin, let's start off by taking just a little break from the State House. We will come back to that. We will cover we'll, that this we'll week. We will be there anyway. Yep. I want to look ahead to the big school election uh, set for March 14th $715 million in bonds and levies that voters across the state. Will help decide coming up in just a few weeks. You teamed up with our friends at Boise State Public Radio for an extensive reporting project. Uh, help! Let's help folks get ready for uh, this big election day that's that's looming. Yeah, let's start with the big picture
0: statewide because that is a huge number. I was really uh, blown away when I did the math when I looked around at the the sample ballots and the uh, the district websites and, and got a sense of what was on the ballot. I I've been doing this uh, since we launched in 2013, and I don't remember a school election that comes close to this. So just to kind of break those numbers down, the $715 million, about half of it, almost half of it comes in the form of bond issues. And the biggest in the bunch is uh, Boise uh, seeking $172.5 million. But then you've got almost $200 million in plant facilities levies which are a little bit different. They're longer-term levies, but they don't involve long-term debt, and they're used for buildings. You're at almost $200 million on those, and the big one by far is West Ada. They've got a $160 million plant facilities levy on the ballot. Then you get to the supplemental levies, which people have been talking about a lot in the past few years, the growth of the supplemental levies, and those are a little bit different than the bond issues and the plant facilities levies because they're really short-term. They're one or two years, They need only a simple majority to pass. You've got $184 in in, uh, supplemental levies on the ballot across the state. So it's a pretty wide-ranging list of ballot measures. It's about uh, 46 uh, school districts that I could find have something on the ballot. Out of 115? Right, so close to half of the districts across the state are going to voters with something. Several districts actually have multiple proposals on the ballot. So, a a lot there to digest for voters. Um, What we did with Boise State Public Radio, um, they did a really nice job and did a really deep dive into the Boise bond issue. They looked at uh, what's been done in the past, what's proposed in this bond issue. So, if you're in the Boise School District, you'll definitely want to check out the coverage that we did with them. Uh, The guys at Public Radio did a really nice job and kind of took the lead on looking at the Boise bond issue. Elsewhere in the state, if you look at our roundup piece, uh, go to Idoednews.org and get to my roundup piece about these uh, elections. We've got a lot of links. We'll take you to the school district's websites uh, so you can look at what they're talking about. Uh, we'll link you to some of the sample ballots so that you can get more information because there's a whole lot to digest and it's all a little bit different in every school district because the proposals are different. The type of election is different. The threshold for passage is different. So, you know, it's a cliche to talk about, you know, voters, you got to get informed before election day. But this is one of those where voters really do need to get informed before election day because this is confusing stuff but it's really important stuff.
1: And that's why I was so happy with how this project uh, turned out. Uh, You and the folks at Public Radio uh, devoted several weeks to researching this, finding out what's on the ballot in different communities, in addition to, of course, breaking down every angle uh, of, of the Boise uh, bond itself. And so head over to IdahoEdNews.org. You put in several weeks worth of work uh, so that you can really help folks find out, based on the school district, based on the county they live in, what are, the, what are they going to find on, on March 14th? What, is it, what does it mean to them? Uh, and what are the procedural yeah. requirements? So it's, head on over there and check that out for it's sure. It's
0: important. It's important stuff. We really tried to try to break down what does this mean for you as a taxpayer, because some of these are not really tax increases because they're, they're continuations of uh, property taxes that are already being collected. Right. So you, you want to figure that out as a taxpayer, but you also want to see what uh, the school districts are talking about doing should these uh, ballot measures pass. So, so get informed and... Uh, to check out what we've got there. Good
1: stuff. I think now it is time uh, to return to the state house. This is may it... well have been the craziest week of the whole session when it yeah. comes to education issues.
0: It feels like uh, about a month ago that uh, we were there Monday morning for the, uh, the budget and, and for JFAC's. Action on the budget. You took the lead on that. Clark uh, Get us caught up with
1: what they did way back when. Yeah, on Monday, uh, the legislature's Joint Budget Committee wrote the seven public school budgets. Altogether, they're calling for a 6.3% increase uh, in general fund spending for public schools next year. That's a little more than $100 million Uh, I guess the big highlight from this budget, as expected, as we've talked about for a long time right now, the biggest chunk of new spending in that budget is devoted to raises for teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, In districts all across the state, there is $61.9 million set aside for raises um, for teachers that have been approved for the third year of the legislature's salary law. That's called the career ladder. You hear that term a lot and encounter that term a lot at Idaho Ed News. Uh, so a third year of raises for teachers under the career letter. For other education professionals, including administrators and classified staff who are not affected by the existing salary law, plan on a 3% raise. Of course, it is subject to uh, merit-based requirements, but look for a 3% raise um, for everybody else, I think notably one thing about this budget that struck me is it came in a little bit below mm-hmm. the proposals that both Governor Otter uh, called for and Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Yubara uh, outlined. Came in a little bit below that. They held the line uh, on spending just a little bit. And there were a couple of, of items, Kevin, that have not yet been addressed. In the public school budget, and we will look for those to be taken up either with the State Department of Education's budget, that's Superintendent Ibarra's budget for her office, her office or the State Board of Education budget. And so what are we looking at? Two remaining pieces to decide. Um, number one, what and how is the legislature going to do with addressing teacher evaluations? Superintendent right. Ibarra called for $300,000 within her office. Governor Otter outlined a much larger uh, a proposal to spend 2.5 million dollars with the State Board of Education uh, for uh, training for administrators regarding the career letter. We will see, perhaps next week, perhaps the week after, if um, the Joint Budget Committee makes a decision. The other thing that's left unresolved so far is funding for one of Superintendent Ibarra's top legislative proposal—that is, a rural schools support center. She's been pushing that for two years. She would like $300,000. Uh, originally she had that in the public school budget. She took it out uh, at the request of some of the education groups and has called for that to be spent uh, within her State Department of Budget. I think that budget will be set as early as Tuesday Mm -hmm. of next week, so we may have an indication. But, Uh, Kevin, after the budget um, was set, there's a little uneasiness with some of the things that have happened, right?
0: Right, and I think one of the other things to watch for and maybe a a source of tension is uh, the issue of Uh, insurance and and helping school districts pay for insurance. There was a a good deal of debate within JFAC on Monday uh, about whether to carve out a line item to cover some of these insurance costs or just to give the districts uh, more money in in the way of discretionary spending. That was what JFAC did. They, They put more money into discretionary spending. So we'll see uh you know our our friends at Idaho Public TV had an interview with Dean Mortimer the uh, the chairman of the Senate Education Committee this week who also sits on JFAC he he lost the battle on this insurance issue in JFAC on Monday but kind of signaled that he may continue the fight on the Senate floor when these budget bills come along because he's he's pretty adamant that it's time to carve out a line item the governor has been uh, adamant about that as well so We'll see where that uh, plays out, but that could be uh, a potential uh, sticking point in passing
1: the budgets. This time. And why does this matter? Why is this important? The budget is the state's largest annual general fund expense. But flash back to, I believe it was 2013, the first year that educa- Idaho Education News was around, covering the legislature. Senator Dean Mortimer led efforts in the right. Senate to mm-hmm. kill the education budget. That effort was successful, and it extended uh, the entire legislative session. While they went back and made what ended up ultimately being some very minor tweaks to the budget, but it did derail adjournment of the whole session.
0: And that um, was, and that was the last time we've had a real fight over school budgets on the floor of either the Senate or the House the past 3 years uh, since 2013 uh, these budgets have sailed through unanimously in the Senate in most cases almost unanimously in the House yeah, it, we'll see if if mortimer is just doing some saber rattling here or if he really wants to deal with this issue this year as opposed to waiting until
1: next year and waiting on the school funding. Formula. That was the other tangent of right, the argument yes. that not to handicap the school funding formula as they head into what looks to be their second and perhaps final year of developing recommendations. The school funding formula is well aware of school districts' concerns about health insurance. Uh, they have kind of asked for time to come up with their own recommendation and not be. Uh, tied one way or the other by creating a new line item. It's also noteworthy that uh, one of the major education groups, the Idaho School Boards Association, has asked the legislature hold the line on all new line items. Right. So uh, certainly some controversy. We may see uh, these budgets work their way through uh, the floor uh, next week, and we may or may not see some fireworks. So stay mm-hmm. tuned, uh, but we will be all over. I want to come back and follow up on a debate, another controversial debate we've been talking about for several weeks now. Um, the Senate Education Committee took action on science standards at the beginning of the week. Kevin, you were there. Uh, help me set it up and then tell me about the action the Senate Education Committee took.
0: Well, this round of the debate on science standards came to an end and it, it kind of came to an end with a whimper. Um, Senate Education. Uh, they voted to go along with the uh, House Education Committee's uh, changes to the science standards. And as we all know by now, those changes involved uh, language pertaining to climate change, right. the five sections of the standards mentioning climate change stricken from these standards for this year. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, I I wrote a blog uh, on Friday about how this is sort of a wait-and-see legislative session in a lot of areas. This is one of those wait-and-see issues because we knew all along that these were only temporary science standards. The legislature is going to have to take a a look at them again in 2018 and decide whether to make them permanent. So we'll be back next year talking about science standards, and uh, most assuredly we'll be talking about climate change all over again. Uh, The committee goes back to work and tries to tweak some language and see if they can come up with language that addresses climate change but does so in a manner that the education committees uh, are are comfortable with. We'll be back doing this again in 2018.
1: Yeah, one of the points for legislators who opposed uh, the climate change language is they said specifically that they felt that that language did not address what they called both sides of the debate about human influence over the environment climate change so stay tuned. We'll try to put that in context. We'll try to reach out uh, to some uh, school district administrators, maybe some science teachers, find out what they make of it in the coming weeks, and we'll try to put that in a little bit better context. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, we continue to have our hands full at the legislature. Uh, One of Superintendent Ibarra's top legislative proposals is off and running. Uh, It cleared the House Education Committee, and that is a proposal uh, to launch the Rural School Center. We mentioned it at the beginning uh, of of this legislative segment, talking about how, so far there's no funding for the rural school center, uh, but the bill that would create one single rural school center, uh, kind of a pilot project, was introduced in the House Com- Education Committee, um, came out of House Education Committee with a lot of momentum and support. It heads next to the House floor. And that's noteworthy, but it, it's also important to point out it, it made it that far last year as well.
0: Right. We, we've been here before. Um uh- a rural center bill, pretty similar to this one, passed the House last year. Timing may be a little bit different this time around, because if you remember last year, uh, the House passed the rural school bill on the next to the last day of the session. It was really kind of a surprise that they even moved it uh, on the floor and passed it on the floor. And then it got over to the Senate the last day of the session, and uh, Dean Mortimer uh, held it in his committee, and uh, you know, he felt like he had too many unanswered questions. Right. By everybody's accounting, we're three weeks away from the end of the legislative session. And you know we'll see if they hit that deadline or not. If this gets dealt with on the House floor next week, and if this one passes the House as the previous one did, the Senate's going to have a little bit more time to deal with it. I don't know wh- what that means. That may... There may be questions on the Senate side after all, but uh, timing would seem to be a little bit more favorable uh, for this proposal. But we'll, we'll see if the particulars about this proposal uh, are palatable uh, on the Senate floor or in the Senate committee. But first, to get through the House.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the, the test here is to see what the Senate does. If, if people are new to this debate, just really quickly— Uh, Superintendent Ebar and her staff are pitching the Rural Schools Support Center as a way to help out small, uh, geographically isolated school districts. The idea is they would form cooperatives. Uh, It would be totally voluntary. They would opt in and then uh, purchase, as needed, services that the Rural Schools uh, Center would provide. The idea is this would uh, maybe give them a little bit more buying power or a little more opportunity to offer, say, specialized classes and certain resources that larger, more wealthier, more urban districts uh, are already able to do. However, opponents or those who are skeptical of the rural school centers say, you know what, Idaho law actually already a- allows uh, school districts to enter cooperative agreements. Why can't we just do this without creating a whole new layer of government bureaucracy? There are also some questions about the funding, who could take ownership of the rural school district, uh, the rural school center, uh, mm-hmm. kind of procedural nuts and bolts sort of questions at this point too. The talking point on Thursday
0: when this... Got out of house education on the unanimous vote was the idea that rural superintendents who need this support can't do this on their own simply because they have too many other roles. If you're a superintendent in rural Idaho, and we know this from talking to superintendents in rural Idaho, chances are you're a principal. You may be the grant writer. You may uh, be a special ed coordinator. You may. Uh, be teaching you know, a coach or teaching, teaching a class or coaching or, coaching a sport. or driving the bus yeah. or you know sweeping out the hallways so, you know there's just a lot that they have to do and they don't have a lot of time to sit back and think gee wouldn't it be nice if right. we would all work together and 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 put together a cooperative so that's the impetus behind this pilot the committee uh seemed wholeheartedly uh, on board with that idea now we go to the house floor and see where it goes from there And the rural bill is not the only piece of legislation that's kind of racing against time and trying to get through both houses in the final three weeks. This is kind of the silly season. You know, we see a lot of bills that come flying through at the end of the session, bills that resurface, bills that kind of get repackaged, uh, bills that sort of come along at the last moment. Um, You were in on a dust-up in the House Education Committee on Friday morning over a, you know, It's either a housekeeping bill on charter schools, if you believe the charter school advocates, or it is a sweeping overhaul that caught education leaders, other education leaders, um, blindsided.
1: Yeah, this bill was actually held up um, on Friday morning after two of the... uh, large and influential traditional education groups, the Idaho Education Association, that's the teachers' union, Mm -hmm. and the Idaho School Boards Association say uh, they were not consulted on this bill. They said they asked to review copies of it several times. They basically got it um, late, late at night on Tuesday. Uh, They did not have a chance to run its changes by their members to develop a position on it. Uh, They say they were cut out of the negotiations. They said they specifically weren't made aware of uh, a deletion to one section of law that would have basically ensured charter schools are compliant with existing uh, education laws in the state of Idaho. Uh, some strong language was, not strong language in swear words, but some strong feelings were briefly exchanged uh, and then the bill is on hold. Uh, the idea being that these education groups could maybe take the weekend or Monday to review this bill. Uh, one of the points that the Attorney for the teachers union said, "Is that 16 pages? We're deleting about six pages of existing law. Uh, we're cutting and pasting that back into other places, and it's really hard to connect the dots and vet this piece of legislation to see where it goes. But that's the kind of thing that happens yeah. at this late juncture in the session. When, and, and when
0: it, it tends to create some hard feelings between groups. Yeah, that, uh, you, know, you may need their support on some other issue. You may need them to at least be neutral on some issues. I mean." You know, Karen Echeverria you know, from the School Boarders Association basically accused Emily McClure, the, the lobbyist for the charter school group, uh, pushing this legislation of being duplicitous, of, yeah. of misleading her. That's not a good look. That's never a good look, especially late in the legislative session where you're trying to get some bills through at the last moment. No, oh, by the way, the House Ways and Means Committee, which is sort of the, you know, the way station yeah, for, la- yeah. for late session uh, legislation, they met Friday afternoon their first meeting of the session. They introduced uh, six bills that pertain to K-12, some minor, some maybe not so minor, and two pertain to charter schools. So uh, you can imagine that they'll be uh, maybe a little bit more closely scrutinized than normal just because of the uh, the dust up in house education. Oh, it's up to we're going to have a busy week uh, next week and probably for the following couple of weeks uh, to come. After thing things,
1: things unfold very slowly in the first half of the legislative session, and they work very, very quickly the last three weeks of the session. I may have made this point before, um, and I don't want this to sound outrageous, but there are literally times at the very end of the session where bills are introduced and then passed before anyone reads them after rules are suspended. And so I think that's when reporters... Uh, and, and other uh, public transparency advocates really earn their money in terms of letting people know uh, what is going on because things uh, come at a very fast and furious clip. We'll continue to be on it next week. I want to, though, point out um, a couple of events that we have coming up uh, that are designed to give people a little bit more insight into the upcoming school elections that you mentioned, as well as the goings on this legislative session. Uh, Kevin, first off, um, tell me a little bit about the City Club event that you have coming up that you've helped put together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is coming up this week, and it's a good forum.
0: Uh, We are having the superintendents of uh, Boise and uh, West Ada and CUNA all on the same panel. This is going to come up on Thursday uh, from 1145 to 115 at the Grove Hotel. So Boise, West Ada, and CUNA all have ballot measures uh, coming up on March 14. Uh, they'll be talking about that, but it's also a good opportunity. We're we're hoping that they'll have uh, questions and and some Q&A about what's happening at the legislature, some of the bigger picture educational topics. If you've never been to a city club forum, these are always really good discussions. You can bring your come with your questions. Uh, write them down on a card. Hold them up. We will get the questions to the moderator, and we'll get as many of them answered as possible. If you're interested in that one, again, it's Thursday noon forum. It's a lunch forum. Go to cityclubofboise.org and register by Tuesday. All right, and the then on f- Friday, we've got a, a panel uh, right here in our backyard.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the very next day, Friday, March 10th at uh, 9 a.m., I believe, it, uh at the Ed News office, actually, which is the Yankee Research Building on Park Center, uh, we've partnered up with the Boise Chamber of Commerce to launch another education forum. We're going to be looking ahead to the March 14th school elections. We will be making sense of a crazy Legislative session. Uh, You're going to be moderating that one, Kevin. On the panel is going to be Boise Superintendent uh, Don Coberly. We're going to have he's doing double duty this week. He's uh, Uh, doing a lot of panels. We're also going to have Karen Echeverria from the School Boards uh, Association joining us there. I'm going to be on that panel, and we are working. to have hopefully Senator Janie Ward Engleking uh, join us for that panel as well. Information is on. She sits on... on JFAC. She sits on
0: the Education Committee.
1: a yep. retired teacher. Yeah, really knowledgeable. Really knowledgeable. As well,
0: it's a it's a great panel, and I'm looking forward to moderating
1: it. Information about that is on the Idaho Education News Facebook page. Uh, if you do show up, say hi to us, and we will make sure that you get a free donut and a free cup of coffee uh, that morning. Uh, but anyways, thank you so much as always for listening to Extra Credit. We will be back. Uh, next week, to summarize what could be the second to last uh, week of the legislative session, uh, we'll see. third to last week but of the session, it'll be interesting. Whatever uh, it is. Yeah. In the meantime, be sure to follow us at Idaho Ed News on Twitter, where we break all our news and provide links to all of our stories. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.